Joining me now is Kevin McGrary, co-founder of Every Black Life Matters and president of the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California. If you'll recall, last Tuesday, I was going to have a special guest on our show, and I played you the voicemail in which our special guest had been asked by Laura Ingram and Fox News to make a last-minute appearance on her show that evening, and therefore that interview was postponed. Well, I'm glad we postponed it because Kevin and I had an absolute excellent conversation, which we have for you today as our Thanksgiving Day BCP podcast special. Well, a new group is countering the Black Lives Matter organization. It's called Every Black Life Matters. And Kevin McGarry, the founder and president of the organization, joins us now. All right, first, let's get into just to know your organization, how it's different from Black Lives Matter movement. Let's let's discuss your guiding principles. I know you talk about education choice. You're pro-law and order. You support the men and women in uniform. You do not condone violence. Um, can you please dive into that a little deeper. Yeah, so uh, when we saw what happened with George Floyd, we recognized that there were a range of emotions across America. Some were violent. We wanted to be that counterbalance, but the, the faithful, uh, righteous uh, counterbalance to Black Lives Matter. We felt that there were some people that recognized that there is black plight, and they wanted to stand for black uh, plight, uh, stand, it against black, stand against black plight, but they didn't have a place other than a Marxist movement to 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 really stand for for uh, stand up for black life. So we wanted to be that counterbalance for that. You know, it's extremely sad uh, for everyone, the, the, the victims mostly, but also for uh, a lot of these uh, young people in urban America, especially who are taught that victimhood pays and that violence is actually just a, a you know, a, a perfectly fine instinct. What has to happen next? Yeah, thank you for having me, Laura. It is a uh, what we're seeing is a complete uh, undermining of all of the systems. We see the undermining of family, we undermining of education by our children being propagandized to and, and brainwashed into thinking that everything uh, has to do with uh, you know colonialists and supremacists that have taken over all of our major all all of the money and all of the jobs, and therefore. You're a victim. You know, you, 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 you know, you got to go out and get yours because they're the ones who have taken your opportunity. And these are messages that have been uh, postulated now for the past two generations, I would say. And right now they're really hitting strides. So this is all part of a, uh, you know, a, a Marxist kind of cultural Marxist kind of uh, stream that we're in now where we see the, the outcomes that are wholly disproportionate. We don't even see certain types of crimes being uh, you know, as you've so eloquently stated, we don't even see certain types of crimes being uh, talked about because they're, it's an inconvenient narrative. Uh, everything is being narrative driven and they want, if they can, to, to try to get the races aggrieved and clashing and bitter and hateful towards one another. Because that is and then produces another cog, if you will, uh, that that really undermines America and ultimately, you know, provides a, a system that is in collapse. When yeah, it's in collapse, then, of course, control. we can go into the globalist yeah. communist stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh so there you have my brother, my friend, my fellow warrior and conservative black patriot, Kevin there with Laura Ingram last Tuesday. We tried to get together as well. Didn't quite work out. It was with Dan Ball on One American News as well. But as you can see there, there's a lot that Kevin has to talk about and share when it comes to cultural Marxism and the plan, plot, scheme, the actual things going on behind the scenes. And he's written his latest book. He's an author of several books. His, later, his latest book, DEI in 3D, breaks down exactly what this is all about, the root of all of this, and its ultimate mission. Something that Kevin hinted at with Laura Ingram, but due to time constraints and how network news only has a few minutes at most to explore any topic, now that we have him here on the BCP podcast, we get to sit back and bask in the vast knowledge of Kevin McGarry and what he found out as he 
studied, explored, and broke down the latest plot by the Marxists in his latest book. We didn't have the time constraints of Fox News, so today we get the full story. Here's that conversation. All right, so finally we've got Kevin McGarry here with us. Now, this is the, as you saw in my introduction, this is the expert that we were going to have last week, but I deferred to Laura Ingram on Fox News. And if I'm correct, Kevin, the very next night or two nights later, you were also on Newsmax. Uh, so very, very busy individual. Uh, as I've showed them in the introduction, you've got great articles. You are an expert in DEI. So let's just start right off the bat. What is DEI and why should we be concerned about it? And a reminder to everyone, there's a book on the subject with some incredible nuggets that we're going to go through. Kevin, for those that aren't worried about DEI, what is it and why should they be concerned? Awesome. Uh, Brother BCP, man, it's always good to get with you, man. And, and uh, so I, th- I count it a real honor and privilege to be here. Again, uh, to be able to talk about these things that's really uh, impacting everybody. DEI is 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 really a, a prescient subject right now. Everybody, it's it's all over the place. It's it's like it's ubiquitous. It's inescapable. Now, some people would say, "Oh man, what are you talking about? I'm, it doesn't affect me. I'm fine." You know, DEI. Uh, the reality is 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 everywhere, and uh, it is inescapable. It's pervasive. It's global. Uh, and so let me explain what it is. DEI means diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay, those three distinctions taken on its own, they're they're rather benign. Put them together and put a, uh, sprinkle in a little bit of uh, communist in it. Boy, they're dangerous. And uh, so, so what I wanted to do with uh, DEI and 3D, the latest book that you had uh, you know shown uh, a copy of earlier, is I just wanted to help people understand what is DEI and 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 what do I do about it? What you know is it is it something that I need to be concerned about? Uh, what does it mean? Is it good and and malevolent, or is it uh, or is it benevolent? I mean, is it good and benevolent or malevolent? You, you understand what I'm saying? Yes. In other words, does it have good intentions? Uh, is it does it provide good fruit? Is it something that is not we shouldn't be afraid of or at all have any consternation about, or is it something or not? And so what I wanted to do is take a a, a a cogent, you know, principled look at it. I didn't have a lens of an ideology or a lens of a party going into trying to figure out what DEI is. I just said, look, uh, 3D means in-depth, an in-depth view. Let's just take an in-depth view of DEI so we can figure it out. Um, and so what I figured out is that, uh, when Biden, I think it was his first, his second day in office, he says, look, we're going to have an all of government approach to diversity, equity, inclusion. All right. And then he created DEI departments and he's given them, I think it was 700 million or more dollars that, uh, has been funded to DEI, uh, you know, executives throughout our government. So they're in every department, every division, every area of government which means all the policies that come out of D.C. have some form of DEI uh, flavor to them. Right? Um, so they don't quite smell the uh, they don't quite pass the, the smell test uh, as it being just principal good policies. They have some form of, of, of flavor of DEI with them. Uh, so the other thing is, is that I saw that ESG, which is environmental social governance, which is a global standard that the World Economic Forum, Council for Relations, and all the other globalist uh, depopulationists uh, use. Um, basically, ESG, the S part, the social, is uh, they're looking for DEI standards that have been implemented in banks and uh, other institutions here in the United States before they give them additional lines of credit. Per- uh, you know, uh, perfect. Uh, point on that is today, State Street Bank came out with a, a press release that said they got you know another five hundred billion dollars or whatever it is from you know our, our, our uh, globalist um, you know BlackRock and and Vanguard and those guys and uh, and they said that it was based upon their newest ESG levels 
that uh, that influenced that that line of credit being and and so then for their some of their member banks or some of the banks that they loaned to they were able to loan to them based upon those particular banks ESG scores so whether you think you're impacted or not everyone's impacted this is just the way that it, for for right now this is the life we have to live under under some form of diversity equity inclusion uh you know ideology now now as a as a retired banker as a former banker it's uh it's incredible to me that the system would be if i look at it from an out, as an outsider because i'm an outsider to this i go well that doesn't make any sense that uh that there would be DEI as part of underwriting when it should be, you know, risk assessment. It should be looking at possible defaults, looking at other more quantitative reasons to either do a deal, extend a line of credit or what have you. But I think I, I was hoping to lead you into it, but you let off with it. The basis of this, the bedrock of this is communism. Yeah, it is. And uh, so I didn't want to spoil it for anybody, but I just wanted to us to really kind of understand that there's a lot more than that meets the eye. OK, so uh, when they take into consideration as uh, primary uh, ESG scores over and above business practices, uh, good business ethics, uh, you know, moral character of the banks uh, that are going to be lending to people in their communities, whatever. Uh, and instead of looking at that and look strictly based upon diversity, equity, inclusion, um, you, you, if we if we go in with, uh, you know, a clear eyed view and say, well, that doesn't make any business sense. Why would anybody switch to that? Uh, you'd have to understand that what's been uh, on the agenda for Marxists for oh, what, 100 years or so is to fundamentally uh, develop ways to undermine. Uh, U.S. capitalists, right, and uh, capitalism, and uh, one of the ways that they've, you know, geniusly crafted, finally after ninety plus years of beating us over the head with communism, uh, they they've gotten, you know, uh, a, a hearing with the DEI. I mean, this is this is, you know, uh, with George Floyd and other thing, COVID and everything else, just the cascading effect of all of these chaotic things happening in a short period of time left uh, people wanting to to really embrace, you know, new ideas and new philosophies about how they view business. It just so happens that that the, the way that we would view business is actually not good if you're a free market capitalist, because now you're destroying the basic incentives uh, in, in many, many ways for for working, for uh, for advancing, for uh, personal uh, for meritocracy and, and personal achievement. And instead, you're replacing that with, um, um, you know, deference to skin color or, uh, you know, gender ideology or whatever else. And uh, what that ends up being is a demoralized workforce, which ultimately ends up collapsing workforces and shrinking businesses and then ultimately bankruptcy. You know, we saw that with Silicon Valley Bank and other banks that had fully gone all woke fully embracing ESG, and they're not here. And, and, and I think there's been six bank closures. All of them have had, had, had fully embraced, you know, ESG and, and woke standards, and, and they're, they're folding. And so, but this is, in the eye of a Marxist, this is the plan. This is, yeah, this is, this is good. You know, create a, a, a Marxist utopia that by virtue of collapsing capitalism and so and then fold us ultimately into the world economic forum. So everybody has this sort of level playing field kind of mindset. And then therefore, we're all conditioned for a new reality, which is just flat out communism. Now, that may seem far fetched to some of your listeners and viewers, but as as much as it sounds like some kind of crazy you know, sci-fi, you know, hysterical novel. It's the reality, unfortunately. Well, I, I think uh, many uh, in our family, of which you are a part of uh, here, the BCP podcast family, understands what, what is really going on here. And of course, the whole, si the whole system, right, is to, it's, I want to say them against us, but it's them against us make us all fall into this communist system so that there is a group of overlords 
handful of oligarchs. It's, it, it happens every single place, right? Whether it's Russia or China or Cuba or Nicaragua or Venezuela, anywhere you have uh, the, the, the Marxists come in, it is a small group of people that are having power over the many. And you did, you mentioned the Black Rocks and the Vanguards and what have you, right? So once again, this is me not even bringing in my banking background, but br bringing in my American uh, citizen, world citizen, observant background. We saw it in 2008. We've seen it every single time. Too big to fail during World War II, during Vietnam. Oh, no, no, no. We are going to save our favorite institutions. We, we hate capitalism, but we're going to save the, the, the banks and the companies and the corporations and the enterprises that are too big to fail. And they will always be guaranteed. Of course, they are part of the whole sham, whether it's today, what would that be? Facebook, uh, that would be uh, uh, Google, that would be the uh, a whole bunch of uh, other companies, right, that are not going to fail. Banks are not going to fail. Bank of America, uh, other big institutions. Sorry, Lehman Brothers, you weren't fully in, uh, but Merrill Lynch, you were, you know, so it's 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 it seems like it doesn't make sense, but there are certain uh, banks that know that they're going to be uh, they're they're going to be protected, and then they're going to be other ones that are going to come in, like the Black Rocks, the Vanguards, and they're going to buy on, cents on for for cents on the dollar all of the collapse. And it's they're they're already in. They are part of the WEF. They're part of all of these uh, globalist systems. So they they keep selling uh, Marxism, but it really is just a sham. Now, this may take me a second because it reminds me of something you put in your book. Uh, let's see if I can uh, if I can find it. I might need a moment here. Um, in, in your book, you had you, you had mentioned how uh, Marxism just sounds good. In chapter four on page 53, Kevin brilliantly writes, the roof is on fire. We always remember Marxism posits that capitalism is inherently exploitive and that the proletariat, working class, must work together to inevitably overthrow the bourgeoisie, business owners, managers, to gain equal access to wealth. Marxism is fundamentally designed to produce a classless society in which the means of production, businesses, manufacturing, etc. are owned and operated collectively. Its ideology supposes the system will provide benefits for all. But, of course, that isn't what really happens. Then you go down halfway into the next paragraph and Kevin Brintley breaks down the falsehood of Marxism and its, cl its classless society when he says, however, every aspect of life, including housing, education, and religion, is governed and mandated by relative, quote, masterminds. These people represent the state and have vast authority as central planners and overseers. Communism is totalitarian to the extent that personal freedoms are sacrificed for the good of the collective. So, they lie about capitalism and they lie about Marxism when they talk about Marxism because you don't get a classless society. You get masterminds that have vast power over the masses. I liked how Kevin brilliantly put that in his book. It sounds good, but for, for, for several years, they haven't been able to get people, you alluded to it earlier, they haven't been alluded to uh, get people to, uh, to buy into it, uh, but DEI was, uh, is the gateway to finally get people but you said it so beautifully. What I'll do is I'll edit myself in later reading that part of the book because you, you put it so beautifully in the book um, uh, about that. Now, so how is DEI going to affect us besides banking, besides um, financially? How else, how else is that going to affect us? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, because I had, you know, I had some people ask and say, well, I mean, you know, okay, all right, let's just say, um, I have a small business. It's, you know, uh, it, it, it pays the bills. It's, it's just me. I don't have any employees. So therefore I don't have any real DEI constraints. And, uh, so how does it affect me? I'm just a small business guy or girl. And I have two, you know, I have a couple of them. I, I may have one employee or two employees, but it's real too small for us to do DEI training or anything like that. So how is it going to impact me? And so I asked the question, I said, okay, well, there's a couple things that come to mind. One is, do you ever, ever need a loan from a bank? And then they thought about it. They said, well, occasionally I may need one. I haven't needed one yet, but there, there may be a time in the future anyway. Okay. 
Um, and when you present present at the bank, and you present as a straight laced white Christian woman or or man, um, that 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 is not going to get you. That's not going to get the bank and the ESG, and especially in the social, it's not going to get them a higher score. They're going to ask you. They may ask you questions. So. Have you, uh, I know you don't have any employees or you may have one employee. Have you and your employee gone through uh, any kind of racial uh, sensitivity training? Uh, have you ever been to any diversity training? Uh, and they're asking these questions not to be, you know, not to, to completely just, you know, sort of uh, go into your private business, but they, they need your answer so they could write, oh, yeah, she's been through some, because this helps them, right, build the case when they, when they actually make the loan. And so that's one scenario. So we are being judged based upon these things, even though we think that we're completely insulated. from. The other way is if you do business in a blue state um, and, you know, uh, like California, for instance, in California, they're asking questions already, small businesses. If you get audit, if, if you say, look, I, you know, call in a CPA, I want to just see how I'm doing in comparison to other other businesses in my field. One of the first few questions they're going to ask you is, uh, "How many? What's your trans policy here?" And then uh, number two, uh, have you been through diversity training or any racial sensitivity training? And and it, it's not compulsory in the sense that you have to have gone through that in order for to do business with the state, but they are asking those questions, and I believe it's going to weigh on to what degree they would want to do business with because. So, so that's the other thing. Now, the other thing that's right in our face that we haven't really looked at seriously is what's happening in our school districts. So the school districts are already all about DEI. They have been for a long time, right? So we have an, probably an entire generation now that has grown up with some level of CRT or DEI, CRT being critical race theory or uh, critical theory being infused in academia somehow. And uh, DEI, of course, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so at least for the past 15 years that we know of, your average person, but it's been going on me before that, uh, we've had these, these, these policies, these mindsets, these theories that are impacting education. So our children are coming home and asking questions like, uh, mom, dad, are we, are we racist? Or... And, you know, for a five-year-old, that's kind of a peculiar question. It's like, what? <laughs> Granny, um, am I a supremacist? Uh, a suprem they can't even say supremacist or whatever. <laughs> and so, you know, you're like, what in the world? How could a six, seven year, what are you, you know, you're wondering, like, what, where is this coming? So it's coming from this whole ideology, right? It's impacting now our children and grandchildren. And it's giving them a guilt complex. It's giving them all kinds of uh, questions about uh, who they are. And uh, whether their family is, is really a good and honorable family, because, you know, after all, we, we lack melanin, so we must be those evil people that uh, this, we, we read about all the time, right? So it's really a level of, of, of child abuse and, and it's cruelty that we're doing to these children. Now, some people will say, well, no, no, we're just trying to enlighten them and help them to understand better what's really going on. Uh, but the interesting thing about that, though, James, is that uh, when they do that, they never uh, say who the offending party or, or people, group of people were in the 1800s. So you do understand, everybody understands that we, we had the North and the South. The North was made up of most, mostly abolitionists, and we had the South made up of all of the racist, supremacist slave, slave owners. So... But that particular group of people are never never labeled. And there was a there they did have a label. That faction is very well known, historically and otherwise. But these teachers, for some reason, if they talk about we want to make sure your children understand racism and slavery and all of that, but they never labeled the offending party who actually did that. And actually it was, as you know, James, an offending party who did that. Um and and and, and so so all of that is garbage. This is all gar it's nonsense what these teachers and academia, you know, people in academia are trying to uh, say that they're just trying to expose the truth about racism. Well, 
did you expose the truth that it was your party that you affiliate with today that did all this stuff? I mean, you know, so when do we ever get down to the truth? If that's what you want to disclose, then fine. Then go ahead and say, look, we in the Democrat Party, we actually started white supremacy in America. We actually enslaved and raped and maimed and lynched and we started the KKK. We did all this stuff. We in the Democrat Party. But we never hear that. James, what's up? I mean, well, we hear the we hear the lie of the great flip that never happened. Yeah, right. That 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 never happened because I don't know. Uh, if they, are they still teaching that, or are they just ignoring it altogether now? Well, they're trying to ignore it now because it, okay. <laughs> the facts came out a little bit ago. We had uh, Dr. Carol Swain who did a wonderful exposition in Prager. She says, "Look, uh, the South remained red uh, because the flip supposedly happened during Nixon's administration, and uh, or or." Early Reagan, whatever, 1970s, right? Uh, the the South remained solidly red until, I mean, solidly blue until 1994 when it actually turned red. So if it was a big switch, then that infers that something happened overnight and, you know, you'd have a red South, right? A GOP South, right? When the switch happened, uh, but- They were still blue. <laughs> yeah. So, so that that's just garbage. Now, one thing you talk about in your book that I find very interesting when we when we when we talk about this that it's uh, Marxism is the root of all of this, and that Marxism, in all of its great irony, is based on Darwinism, which is based on white supremacy. So the the actual root of DEI is based on racist uh, pseudoscience, I, I believe you call it. In, in your book. Once again, folks, I'm referring to this book here. I'll have a link down below. Uh, Kevin's not asking me to do that. I'm just going to do it because we, we have this book uh, in our family and, we, and we've read it. Can, can you just, for, for our family here, link Darwin to Karl Marx to DEI? I yeah, mean, yeah. Just, just, cause I, just because I, yeah. I think the irony is just it's. I think it's whole other. I think it's a whole other level of irony here. It's. It's just so ironic. It, you know, it was amazing. I didn't know what to expect. I. I just said, look, oh, I'm going to go in this clear eyed. I'm just trying to figure out what all of the hoopla is about DEI. So, I started looking into this, and I said, okay, well, you know, I, you're you're in construction. You've done houses, and you've at least funded them, and all of that. You've been around construction. So I said, what if I used a house metaphor and and just talked about foundation and inner, you know, inner walls, you know, infrastructure and cornerstone and you know stabilization and and then building and roof and edifice and so that's what, that's what i did I broke it all apart i said okay so let, let's build the house so we started with the foundation a foundation literally is is charles darwin um it, it, and some people say well i mean you know darwin came around in the mid to the late 1800s you know 1859 okay mid 1800s all right so yeah we had slavery in full effect by that time but but i'm not saying that darwin started slavery i'm saying that darwin uh, was the progenitor, if you will, of of, uh, of white supremacy and racism. Now, some people will say, well, no, 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 slavery was going on. Now, slavery wasn't about racism. Slavery was about economic opportunism. In other words, you know, what? hear me out. In other words, when, you know, if you had 50 acres and it's just you and your, you know, one son and one daughter, and you know you got all these crops out here, you got a pool, and your kids are either too young or you're, you and your one son can't do it. Somebody came to your front door and say, look, we got these, we just got them off the boat. Got some slaves here for you. Give me five bucks each. You can have, and you know, no, no papers, no nothing. They, whatever, whatever happens to them, they're yours. And for you, it's like, oh, this is, this is labor. I can, I'll give them, you know, one meal a day, just enough so they can stay somewhat strong and get out there and pull my cross for me. That's economic opportunity. When Darwin came around, which was very, very different, for the first time in human history, first time ever in human history that you had a brilliant, renowned scientific mind who actually made the audacious claim that uh, whites were superior, that whites had evolved first. Remember his theory of evolution, whites had evolved first and they plateaued. Every other ethnicity then are on the trajectory of evolution to get to that plateau level, but everybody's going to be somewhat different because whites have already taken that. 
And uh, and then he says, oh, by the way, you look at blacks. This is all in the descent of man. And I have footnotes and you can find it. It's, it's all there. You, he, in this, the descent of man in his book, uh, he, 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 he said, but if you look at blacks, you see that they're still trying to climb the evolutionary scale, that they're still, still subhuman, apes, gorillas, and savages. That's what Darwin said. So, so now you, you, you have people that have, uh, you know, that have this mindset like, okay, well, he's a renowned scientist. I do believe in evolution. So, well, yeah, they're, they're subhuman. I don't care. I could treat them however I want to treat them. And God's not going to hold anything against me. I mean, these people are, they're, they're, they're not even people. They're still trying to climb. So I can rape, maim, pillage, or do whatever I do. So that's what, what really accelerated the, the, the level and the onslaught of, of, of maltreatment of blacks. Then um, we have, uh, so, so now he said basically that because of that, in one fell swell, he said, whites are superior. And blacks, you can be racist against them because they're, they're not even human. You can treat them however you want. So then, fast forward, his his uh, his protege was was Marx and Engels, and Marx and Engels uh, come around. And they said, oh, "This this work is fantastic." They, they fully in, in, imbibed all of their uh, the uh, uh, Darwin's evolutionary theories in their work, and then they they come out and they say, "Look." Um, so so let me let me finish that thought. So Darwin is the foundation. That's where inequality started because people really began to see blacks as completely different. A different they're they're not just human, they're something different. Um so that's kind of the foundation. Then Darwin then then Marx comes along and and he puts the pedal to the metal. He says, Look, um uh, you know, blacks are, you know, we know they're inferior and uh we know that, you know, we can we, we can actually exterminate blacks uh because again darwin and his first cousin francis galton uh came out with uh eugenics meaning well-born um and it wasn't scientific theory it's just based strictly upon white supremacy that's that's the only reason they said look we have too many of these other races that are reproducing at a much faster rate than we whites and therefore survival of the fittest if they actually outnumber us Ultimately, we're going to lose our elitist, you know, white supremacy. So we need to get rid of these these other races. Now, we can co concoct something called eugenics, which means well-born. Those that are not well-born, we can exterminate. So. So uh, so that's what that's what that's where we got abortion. That's where we got sterilization. That's where we got all the, you know, Hitler, Ma Stahl, uh, Stalin, Mao and and uh, Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, uh, Lenin, all of them. <laughs> you know, relied on that work of, of Darwin's first cousin Francis Stalin. So anyway, so so now Marx says, look, we, you know, it's 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 unequal it, and that's the way it should be because these people are, you know, they're they're far less than we supremacists. And uh so, you know, he had this idea that that he needed to build the inner wall, you know, that he really needed to use sort of the collective angst of blacks to encourage revolution so he can ultimately see his uh you know the collapse of capitalism and uh his marx his commie utopia come to pass so his idea was look we know these people are you know different and less than but we can use them in their rage through collective action and have them now make demands of workplaces and make demands of, of various parts of society and ultimately collapse it because then all of the chaos in the streets and all of the angst person to person will actually collapse, collapse social systems, which will allow us then to come in as masterminds and, and have our commie utopia. Uh, the, B, the BLM riots were in a big way use in that way uh marxism and 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 kami you know uh, uh tactics are there to manipulate blacks they're not there to empower manipulate blacks so it's the worst most egregious uh you know uh, way that you you basically dismiss blacks by saying look we're going to use them as as our props in the street to make sure that they they get enough rage going so they can collapse society for us. And then we come in and we, and we do our thing. So, so uh, those are the inner walls, if you will, of DEI. I mean, collective action within the workplace where people are, you know, at, at, enraged and, and together 
with, hey, we need to see more gender people, you know, people of different genders and gender ideology representative in the organization. We need to see more blacks and black women, LGBTQ and all of that. Uh, and unless you do, this 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 company really is racist and we're ready to to start a union and all kinds of threats, right? So that's how this this thing works in the workplace today. Is they say, okay, well, oh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna take people that may not be competent, may be highly incompetent, and just place them there so they can be so we can satisfy the mob, and um, and, and hopefully quell all of these concerns. And we'll we'll put in diversity training and we'll do all these other things. What they don't realize is that it's 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 really undignified. Uh, nobody that I know who's who's black wants to be in any position whatsoever where you you just put me there as a diversity hire or you put me there just because, you know, of diversity. Uh, I want to be where I want to be because I can do the job. I've proven myself. I don't want any special designation because what happens internally is people don't respect you. They're like, oh, no, he's diversity hired. No, he, he don't know what he's doing. And, and they just... They, it's undignified. Nobody wants to live that existence because you really don't have any power. You may have it on paper. You may have a little bit more of your paycheck, but it, it, it's a horrible existence. So, um, so all of this, you know, boils down to you disrupt the work, workplace because people start to distrust each other, start to hate each other just based upon melanin count, which is ridiculous. We completely do away with content of character that Dr. Martin Luther King is talked about and, and, and really encouraged and admonished us about going forward, which really was the way it really is the way forward for any, uh, you know, uh, society. And, and now we're, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of um, uh, stuck in the morass of this diversity stuff and, and, and organizations are really feeling it right. Isn't it funny that in the name of DEI, it's built on not just racism, but eugenics racism uh, with the Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood. It seems like everything that the modern day Democrat Party is about yeah. is everything that is absolutely abhorrent. And, and, and you know, eugenics, racism, uh, uh, supremacy. And look, Kevin, I can, I can agree with you 100%. I haven't told the story in a while. Here's your abbreviated version. I was a diehard Democrat, UC Berkeley freshman, and I went to a predominantly white high school in San Diego. And I went up for uh, a, a few years of school in the Bay Area, also predominantly white. And I was I, I was educated with 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 my white brothers and sisters. I wasn't disadvantaged. Uh, you know, I came from a working class family, but my parents wanted me to be in a in a better school system, so. You know, instead of buying a house in the hood, we had an apartment where I could go to a good school. So I was a disadvantage. I, I get into UC Berkeley competing with other white students, graduate toward the top of my class. And they had this beautiful blonde co-ed come up to me and say, isn't it awesome that UC Berkeley let you in because you're black? Yeah, I mean, that, that you know, that was a, a blow to my ego, to my male ego or what have you. But it really opened my eyes. And I'm thinking, this is how the progressive left views me. They yep. view me literally as inferior where they have to lower the standards for me to get in. And I'm sorry. I went to a predominantly white high school. I had took the SATs. I, I didn't try to get in because I was, that's not, that's what I had great teachers. Not, not think about it. that just held me the same standards as my white counterparts. Right. And, um, and that made me excel. I mean, just because there wasn't a lowering of standards and it is such a racist thing. And it is such a disservice to the black community, the Latino community. Notice they say people of color, the minority community, but they don't include Asians in there. They don't right. include, uh, they include blacks mostly and some Latinos because they truly are racist and they think that they are superior to us. There is a supremacy, but it's not from the far right. It's not from the conservatives or the libertarians. It's from the same leftists who are screaming at the top of their lungs. We need DEI. Well, put up a mirror in front of you. And, and that, that was kind of my eye opener, you know, because a lot of people, a lot of people don't understand that when you, when you're talking to people and you're trying to open their mind to being more of a conservative or libertarian or small government or constitutionalist, take your pick. 
we we come at them. We think we're we're going to convince a, a liberal or a leftist to become more, let's say, center or right of center by using logic. It's emotion. I went from being a diehard Democrat, not not a current progressive Democrat, but more of a Kennedy Democrat because my family was in the unions yeah. and you know they were they were for labor, but they were still like against commies. They were still for like free speech, all those things that you know that the hills that we still die on. But it was the, it was the it was the reminds me of that mean emotional damage you know like it was it was that it, it was emotion to me that someone thought that I was inferior and yep. would always need a handout and always need a, a lower standard. This is one of the reasons why I became an entrepreneur because out in the real world people don't judge you. Right. Um, you know, so, someone uh, came to my firm. Hey, we we want to build a new strip mall. Hey. I need financing for, you know, these seven homes I'm building. Hey, I need to, uh, I need to put this deal together to acquire this manufacturing company. When I was in investment banking, most of it's over the phone. They never see you. Okay. They just want to know if you're going to get the deal done. That's right. I want, I want the best plumber. I want the best heart surgeon. I want the, you know, I want, uh, I, I want the guy, uh, I, I want the, the, I want the guy or gal. I don't care which one. Right. I don't care his or her race, but, uh, I just want the best one. Yeah. I want the best pediatrician for my children, the best podiatrist for. And so this whole DI thing to just, it's so funny that in the name of combating racism, you promote racism. I don't, I just don't, I just don't understand that. It's and unbelievable. I, let, me, let me say this. I don't mean to yeah. talk, but I, you, you just make such great points here. So the irony is this, is that you have these group of people that say, look, uh, we want to be anti-racist. We want to promote, you know, equality for everybody. But their mindset is literally Darwinist in the sense that they say, in order for us to do that, to really have equality for everybody, you know, blacks and browns are really inferior. So let's lower the test threshold. Let's not go for excellence. Let's go for an okay. Portland, uh, I think it was Portland or somewhere, one of the cities in Oregon, they, they completely, I think, just read it last week, they completely did away with their math. Uh, they're yeah. still teaching it, but they're not grading it they're, they're, because they think that, well, you know, it, what they're saying is black and brown students can't do math. I mean, they're innately, this is what they're saying. They're innately incapable. This is a Darwinist argument. This is white supremacy in our midst and nobody's calling them out on it. I always do, you know, when anybody says that and, and they try to look, do this, you know, kind of stuff. How is it that you infantilize blacks? Saying, well, they're babies or they can't, they're just innately incapable. And you're not saying that you're a white supremacist. You you are absolutely a full-on racist. It's so obvious to me. I don't see how other people don't even see it. And of course, these people must not know Africans because uh, I have many friends from Nigeria, uh, Ghana, uh, that are, they're brilliant engineers, scientists, and math because math isn't racist. You know, two plus two is four. Yeah. No matter if you use Chinese characters, Phoenician letters, uh, something based on the Latin language or something else, it, it it's universal, right? It's it's universal, and it's actually the most least racist thing. Yeah. But yeah. of course, you know, it it's common sense, and it's not an emotion. One thing I've always, uh, and I know people get uh, sensitive when we talk about about race, but what's what's always interesting to me is that these people who like you, like like we're saying here, who are trying to signal the most that they're not racist, tend to be the most bigoted. Yeah, they are. And then it, it almost it almost seems like they're even. I, I'm not trying to get in a cycle babble here, or or because I, that's not my field. But it's almost like they're trying to make themselves feel better. Maybe they realize they are. And I just I just don't understand the motivation behind it that would blind someone to just realize, hey, you know. I'm I'm trying to fight bigotry because I'm really a bigot, right, right? And and I'm really superior, and I feel bad about being superior. Well, maybe you're not superior, right? And you've been you've been brainwashed. Now I want to bring this full circle because we talked about uh, communism, DEI, and communism. People also don't realize the danger of this because this is this is leading into essentially a U.S. credit score like communist China has. Exactly right. Exactly right. So that's the, that's the real danger. So the what what, what the analogy I use in the book is we overlay the entire structure with communist uh, communism, right? So what that means is social credit scoring, um, you know, like just like CCP, the, the communist China, 
Uh, and then we use ESG scoring. We use DEI and CRT as a kind of training that would go under the, the metric for social. And, and again, the idea is ultimately it's leading to the collapse of America. So we're participating in our own demise the more we go into this. Um, but here's, here's where they, they are getting some benefit, quote unquote. They're socially conditioning us to uh, accept uh, that meritocracy is not, is not really the, the way of the future. That it's okay for us to go ahead and reward incompetency. That it's okay for, and, 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 and don't fight it. There's too many of us in the boardroom. The, the corporation's too big. You're going to be out on the street. Don't fight it. Just, just deal with it. This is, the, this is the new reality. So this social conditioning us, right? Uh, the other thing that it's doing is it's providing retribution for those who have a chip on their shoulder, new DEI officers, uh, you know, uh, black or lesbian or whatever other gender. Uh, they have the ability now to mete out retribution on those that have less melanin and use them as a whipping board, right, for, for every past sin, for everything, right? And, and make sure that all of those people are, are out. And so what ultimately happens when people start to see all this is it collapsed. The, the, biz, the business is going to be less successful. Innovation is going to be stymied. Uh, and, and we're going to see a collapse of those businesses. Uh, but what it does for the World Economic Forum, Council of Foreign Relations, you know, Bank of International Settlements, and all these other fat cats who are depopulationists and, and just licking their chops, waiting for all of this destruction to happen so they could level the playing field for everybody. Is it, is it collapses the system and allows them to do then the great reset that they've been trying to usher in for the past, what, eight, nine years. So, um, so we're playing into their hands the more we play into this, this sort of commie plot of DEI. Um, and, uh, you know, I wish DEI was more altruistic and, and not what it is, but it is what it is. I, I went in with clear eyes, not, no ideology, no political leanings. I just wanted to see what it was. And when you, when you look at it, it's inarguable. You can't, you know, in the way it's laid out in the book, and I think you would attest to this, is I don't make the claim up front of what it is. I'd take you through very methodically the history and put the pieces together. Okay, and there's a little bit more history here, and this is where that mindset came from, and this is how it is implemented, and this is, and then at the end, it just is what it is. We just got to agree. Oh, yeah, that's, that's commie. That's communism. So, and we're seeing other parts of it too right now, I, I think. And uh, Kevin, you're such a pleasure to talk to. You're such a fountain of wealth, uh, of knowledge. I, I, I appreciate you you coming on here and then and and not just sharing it, but also putting it in book form, right? So we can we can delve into it and look at it and you, you footnote and everything. What we're seeing here right now too is the collapse of society with crime and what have you. We have these Soros and these progressive a hardcore left that since they can't rewrite the law, they're just not going to enforce the law, essentially kind of rewriting it, right? With selective prosecutions or what have you. But once again, that's also based on racism because, oh, they're just black males. They're savages. Uh, we can't hold them accountable. And then that reinforces, unfortunately, and no one wants to talk about this in our black communities, not that we're savages, but hey, we are, we can get away with this, right? So like we, you broke down earlier, right? The slavery was, it, it was uh, economic opportunism, right? Yeah. Slavery has existed forever. Yeah. The, 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 they went over on slave ships and bought black slaves from the, the black tribes that had conquered them and had them as slaves, right? right. You, you go back to, uh, to Egypt. You, I know no one wants to talk about it, but the open slave markets today in Libya. Thank you, Obama. Right. Thank you, Hillary Clinton. Um, in, in the Islamic world, there are uh, there there's slavery, there's white slavery, there's child trafficking, there's prostitution. I mean, these are all these are all forms of uh, not even indentured servitude. These are uh, of unwanted. Uh, uh, how would I break it down? Uh, servitude that you don't want to be a part of. Okay. Uh, you know, it, it comes in all kinds of forms. It has been around, unfortunately, since. The beginning of man, I don't know how much uh, after Adam and Eve left the, the beautiful Garden of Eden, but sometime after that, uh, an opportunist, uh, you know, the, the, the Lucifer burned the heart of someone. Yeah, well, you know, I could probably 
get more done in my field if I compel that person whether they want to or not to do it. So it's not based in racism; it's based in in, in opportunism, That's and, right. and 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 that it, that that exists. That exists, and and then unfortunately, that same idea of opportunism is given to black urban youth and inner city people because they go, look, I can commit crimes. I can walk into CVS in the middle of Market Street in San Francisco. And I can just grab everything and walk out. I'm not going to do anything. And then if they do get arrested, there's no bail. There's a slap on the wrist. Come back in 90 days. Oh, but it's because of society because I'm black and society was so crushing on me. That's why I did it. And then it's, it's, but of course, and it's so frustrating as a black man. I know you feel the same way that this racist pawn of the left they're playing black people as pawns in this in this in this scheme Absolutely. to usher in full on uh, communism and, yep. and and they're doing it. It's okay though because it's all about you know diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, it, it's you know it's it's maddening when you consider no cash bail and uh, and then you consider this the rampant crime, and we still have, hear cries from these DAs who are not doing their job. Uh, well, I mean, this is the most equitable way we need to deal with uh, these communities, communities of color, uh, you know, and, and basically it's, it, it is the Darwinist mindset of, hey, these are savages. Uh, we can we can just let them, you know, exercise it like we saw in the BLM riots. Yeah. Let them exercise their let it get them out of their system. They're let frustrated. Them... What, are, what are they supposed to do? Right. And, and, and instead of holding everybody to a standard of a civil society. You know, we get this sort of mismatch of unequal justice, and I mean, it's everywhere. Uh, the biggest unequal justice we see is how they're treating with President Trump. I mean, it's in your face unequal justice. But there's there's so many uh, levels within the justice system now. It's like wow, it's really eye opening and scary. Yeah. Now to conclude, what can we do on a micro level? What can we do at a community level? What can what can what can we do as individuals, families, congregations, communities to fight back against this, de this, this whole plan of using diversity, equity, and inclusion yeah. to usher in their dystopia? Yeah. They call it a communist or a Marxist utopia, but we know it's dystopian. Leave us with some action steps, Brother Kevin. What can, what can we do? What, what, how can we participate in this not going any further and in thwarting this very nefarious plan? Well, first thing that we can do is be educated, right? Putting our head in the sand and saying, well, I'm not impacted by DEI because I'm not part of a big workforce and this and that. It, it's, you're, you're exacerbating the problem. That's, not, that's beside the point. Everyone's impacted. You may not see it yet. You may not want to appreciate how, the impact that it's already had on you or your family members or your kids or grandkids, but you're impacted. And the only way that you're going to be able to, 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 to really stand up to this with a, with a steel spine and say, not here, no, get out of here with that. No, I'm not playing the game. I'm not going to answer that question. No. The only way you're going to be able to do that is to have, you know, information. Uh, and so I encourage everybody, stop, get your head out of the sand, get the book and, and, and read and, and just, you know, everything's there for you. I mean, it's all laid out. It's, it's like, again, it's not written from an ideological standpoint. It's not written from a political standpoint. So it's something that anybody and everybody can get, you know, wrap their minds around um, and, and actually get more grounded and and what it is and what it's not so when you begin to see these things or when your kids or grandkids ask you these questions you actually have the knowledge to help them understand what's really going on right now just taking you know a few points from from this conversation is not enough it's not going to help you know your grandchildren or children get out of their sort of woke leanings and go a different direction you need all the information and the best way to do that is to get the book uh, number two, um, we, we, we need to, uh, to, to when we are in a workplace that a, a boss says, look, we're going to go through diversity training. Um, we can ask them, okay, tell me more about this. And when you do your research on who's doing the training, 99% uh, of people that are doing this kind of training are ideologically Marxist, right? They're leftist, progressive Marxists. Uh, what's going to happen in there is you, people with less melanin count, are going to go in there and they're going to be berated and castigated and pointed to as the as the victimizer. Um, and that doesn't build healthy workplaces. So what you would do is you would you would go to our website, everyblm.com, 
sign up for our training. Uh, we actually have online curriculum right now, and you can get some training. And you can say, look, I would, every Black Life Matters trained me on, on uh, racial sensitivity and DEI stuff. Uh, you know, I already did it. I, I'll go through it, boss. I'll take the training, but, you know, I'm going to ask some tough questions because now you know, I'm a little bit, I, I've been through this before. So, um, so this will give you all the, the, the kinds of insights that you need in order to correct, do a course correction, uh, either to your employer, the higher ups, or to your uh, kids and grandkids. You can also encourage your employer to invite us in to do the training. Say, you know, it looks like you have some people here that are kind of ideologically rigid on one side of the spectrum. Uh, you know, what about inviting every Black Life Matters to come in and do their uh, DEI training? Um, and we would actually come in and we would actually help people to unify around the truth, around uh, racial and, and actually produce racial unity where everybody respects the fact that, look, we're one human race. We happen to have different skin tone based on melanin or lack thereof, whatever. But, you know, we're one human race. We're all in this together. We got to figure out a way to make this this thing uh, here in this realm work together. And we're stronger when we can support one another, embrace one another, and truly embrace diversity. We should encourage diversity, uh, but we don't encourage diversity devoid of meritocracy. It, you know, there's a difference. You encourage diversity, but you say, look, as long as they're fully competent, skilled, and they have the merits to go along with it, then great. Go ahead and hire that black young lady who meets the qualifications, uh, as opposed to that perhaps other person that meets the qualification but has X amount more competency. If you're if you're if you're really concerned about really diversifying workforces, then then you can do this in a way that's that's fully integrous to everybody. You don't necessarily have to hire the person with the experience plus, you know, X amount of extra that really wasn't required at all for the job. You can hire the black young lady or the black young man to come in to help diversify the environment because they meet the qualifications. So I'm not saying you make any exceptions whatsoever. I'm just saying you don't necessarily have to go to the minimum qualifications or qualifications plus you know, X, this person has that plus X. Well, if you bring, continue to bring people in like that, then guess what you're going to have? You're going to have a pretty myopic environment. It's going to reflect, you know, not so diverse. Um, and I don't mean that I'm just making generalizations here. I'm giving some examples of how we can be intentional about our commitment to having diversity. The biggest problem with diversity, equity, and inclusion is the equity piece. Equity means equal outcomes. And that's that's a danger to everybody. It's it's unfair. It it goes against all existing federal labor laws and labor laws within probably every state. So when organizations try to do this, we can be we can forewarn our our box bosses and managers and say, look, I know you have you know you have you want to put these people in place and that, but there's some you, just be careful because there's some real labor laws that kind of protect against these types of things that I'm seeing and I'm concerned for the business. So, so, so these are the types of things that you could be much more aware of, much more adept with, and the conversations you can have at a deeper level to help bring people along, get them out of this. We're already seeing now uh, organizations and, and, and um, judgments here in California just over the past couple of days where they're rejecting, uh, you, know, you know, just uh, flat DEI type initiatives. Uh, we see a couple of organizations, uh, international organizations even, that have stepped away from DEI. So we do see that there is a turning of the tide with this whole DEI phenomenon. And, and uh, people are becoming a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, principled about how they go about really influencing diversity within workplaces. So my idea is this. Diversity is a wonderful thing. Human flourishing from all these different perspectives is, is just beautiful beautiful. The kingdom of God is all diverse. It's wonderful. Uh, our ability to innovate within an organization, uh, taking in varying viewpoints from all these different life experiences, from all these different people with all these different, it's, it's wonderful to do that. But we don't do it at the expense of, of, of real meritocracy and, and competency. And so that's the, that's the real takeaway. Um, 
So I don't know. I did I over did I overstate it? No, 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 no. It's uh, th this is a form where what's in your heart and your mind that comes out, and we all benefit. Uh, Kevin, where can people find you? Everyblm.com. Everyblm.com. And on there, we have all of our training. We can take our online curriculum today. It's available. Uh, multiple modules, self-paced. Get that training, and uh, you'll see a lot of these talking points, a lot of these things that we've talked about. Uh, but the other thing is, is you can get the book on Amazon, uh, and it's DEI and 3D on Amazon. Uh, you can also get the other one, Woked Up, uh, which is the precursor to this. I wrote it a year ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, both of those really help you with with sharpening your talking points around racism and supremacy and this whole this whole thing that we're in now, this chaotic time. We need to to really understand how to address these issues in a in a principled, real, factual, truthful way, as opposed to just going in with emotion and ideology. Thanks for joining us, uh, Kevin. Thanks for taking time away from uh, Newsmax and uh, and Fox and uh, and. We, you, brother. We, we, we were uh, um, hanging out in San Diego uh, a couple months ago. We were at the, uh, the pastor conference there for Turning Point. So uh, Kevin's the real deal, folks, and you'll be able to see that when you go to everyblm.com and uh, if you pick up the book. Thanks for being here. Mm -hmm.